Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuesday afternoon, the 9th of January, a cold day, at least in North Mississippi. Not sure what it's like exactly where you are in the Magnolia State, but in North Mississippi, it is cold. It didn't really start out that way. It was, you know, just a regular January morning, about 45 degrees. The rain kind of stopped when I got out of the house to take the kids to school this morning. And by the time I got home, the temperature started dropping. And a couple of hours later, I mean, the wind just howling. I'm talking, hey, Dad, did you do do your walk this morning? I did not. I had a dentist appointment this morning, so I couldn't get out this morning. Okay. Like, if you had gone on your normal hour-ish walk, my guess is that you would have felt the temperature dropping from the time you started until the time it ended. It's been one of those days. Uh, We're glad to be with you. Well, if you think this week is cold, wait till next week. Just wait till Monday of. And guess what? It's not going to do. Well, we got a chance in North Mississippi. Not here. I mean, if it's going to be a high of twenty-seven and a low of twelve, and it's not going to snow, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, what's the point? I get it. Just give everybody the day off. Just don't even bother with today. Nothing fun is happening anyway. So just here, stay home, because that sucks. Low in Oxford on Monday is five. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah. but I, so I've got to go back to <laughs> Columbia, here. Missouri this weekend. So second weekend Let's in a row here. where I've got basketball in Missouri. Listen to this. On Friday, high of 32. That's the day I'm supposed to get there with a low of five. Um, oh, the snow. Well, wait, no, no. I'm looking at the wrong day. Snow accumulating three to five inches. Another inch on Friday night. On Saturday, a high of 13 and a low of minus three. And then on Sunday, so today i got to get on a plane, I guess, and uh, come home, uh, a high of 3 with a low of minus 10. It's about what it was last year when I was in St. Louis that, that, that final day. Oh, so yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be cold. Going to be cold. Uh, this is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio, Pearl River Resort, home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Uh, hopefully you weren't like Brian Haydad. You didn't miss out on an opportunity yesterday. Uh, you know there was an opportunity right there for Brian Haydad to just whoosh, zero out the slate, but he was not willing to uh, shoulder the risk, and therefore he does not get to revel in the reward of a, of a zero balance on his ledger. But hopefully, some of you made the trip 
to the uh, to the sports book last night, and you were all over the Michigan Wolverines. And if you were, you left happy at the uh, the end of the night. The uh, sports book at the Golden Moon Casino is part of Pearl River Resort. Ceasefire text line is open to you six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Last night we crowned a national champion. It was, I don't want to speak for you guys, it was not the game that I was hoping for. We did not get the fireworks that we had hoped for. Uh, Congratulations to Michigan, the undefeated and undisputed champions of the 2023 college football season. They cap it off with a 34-13 win, a dominant performance on the ground. Kind of looked like they fell asleep for about two quarters in the game. They dominated the first quarter. They dominated the fourth quarter. A couple of field goals in those middle two quarters of the game. Uh, they made Michael Penix Jr. very, very uncomfortable. Blake Corum was a star. Donovan Edwards was a star. And Michigan wins it. And I don't know that patience is not the right word, but I'm not sure that I want to hear the whole Michigan wasn't the best football team this year. No, they won the title, and they went undefeated. And even if their early season schedule wasn't all that difficult, they beat Penn State, they beat Ohio State, they beat Alabama in the playoffs, they beat a good Iowa defensive team resoundingly in the Big Ten championship game, and then they beat a red-hot Washington Huskies team in the championship game last night. They, You, you can believe there are other teams that are more talented, You might even believe there's another team that's more deserving. But Michigan gets to wear the title of best in 2023, and I just don't think there's a good argument to the contrary. It's, 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 yeah, I guess you're right. I just would have liked to have seen them play Georgia. I would have loved to have seen them play Georgia. I would have loved to have seen them play Georgia last night. I think Georgia and Michigan were the two best teams in college football. But you know what? Michigan got it done in the Big Ten championship game. They they didn't find a way to lose to Iowa. They didn't stumble against Ohio State. They won in a very unconventional way against Penn State. I I get that. Georgia had their opportunity. They, they, they had their they chance. Had chance. All they had to do was they beat did. Alabama. And look at what Michigan's defense did to Alabama. George, why couldn't Georgia do that? Michigan made it stopping Alabama look really easy, buddy. They made it they look did. really easy. They were physically much better than Alabama. Georgia couldn't do that. I think Georgia would have been better at the line of scrimmage on the defensive side than Washington was yeah. last night. And I think that would yes. have made to a more made for a more compelling matchup overall. But I don't have any real reason to believe that Georgia would have been exceptional offensively against that Michigan defense. There's no reason to believe that. that, that and those guys can tackle. Oh, oh my gosh, the the defensive backs and safeties. Uh, the the one play especially in the first half where the safety uh had to defeat a tackle and he went low and got up under him and made a tackle on Dylan Johnson. Just an unbelievable physical and intelligent play. That's what makes this scandal so unfortunate. Because that's a great football team. They didn't need to do what they did. 
But because they did what they did, their greatness is being taken away from them. They, they are that that is a great football and McCarthy. By the way, if he's quarterback one in next year's draft, you got a bad draft class. He's fine, and that's all he is. Oh, he's not QB one next year. People keep saying it, and I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, it's wrong. But I mean, they are great. That that is a great football team, and yet. Talk after the game, talk going into the game, and talk forever is going to be, yeah, but. And that's a shame because they are they earned on the field the championship. They earned it. They beat Ohio State. They did the yeah, but to themselves, though. They did the yeah, but to themselves. It is exclusively their fault. that They, they can look right in the mirror. If, if Michigan fans moving forward are mad that people want to put an asterisk next to their title, well, your, your team only has themselves to blame. But still, it's a shame because, man, that defense especially is fun to watch. Really fun to watch. And they're cheaters. Michigan was better last night, and they were better all 15 times they stepped on the field this year. And, you know, maybe they gave themselves an advantage. You know the crazy thing is? They played 15 games, and six of them, were without their head coach on the sideline. I mean, so so Jim Harbaugh went nine and zero this year as a head coach. Michigan went fifteen and zero. Jim Harbaugh went nine and zero. And and I'm not saying that to do the oh Michigan overcame odds and they had to they had to do it you know harder than anybody. Else. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying it's pretty remarkable when you think about the fact that the head coach missed more than a third of the season in terms of being on the field with his team, and yet they still went through the year unblemished. And 15-0 is is really, really special. This was, this was a pretty exceptional college football season. So many stories. One of the things we're going to do this afternoon, and I think this will be fun, and I think it will be a, a great way to interact with you on the C Spire text line throughout the show. We, uh, we all did a little bit of homework throughout the course of the day today and made lists of the ten moments. Very, very loose assignment here. When I say the 2023 college football season, these are the first ten things that come to mind. Could be a team, could be a storyline, could be a play, could be a player, Yeah, it could be some sort of a theme, whatever it is. And we're going to talk about some of those and kind of reminisce on the uh, the day after the national championship game. And I will tell you, I did not put Michigan's sign-stealing, cheating scandal in my top ten moments of the season. Now, I'm sure one or both of you did, and that's fine, and probably most people would. I just don't think that's the first thing I'm going to think of when I think back on the 2023 season. We're going to try and have some fun with that. We'll, uh, we'll start working through those lists when we come back. We've got a bunch to get to this afternoon. John Harris will join us in the 5 o'clock hour to uh, start things off. He was in Houston last night uh, on the field for the national championship game, and uh, it's a big week in Houston. He'll be on the sidelines for the Texans' playoff game against Cleveland coming up this weekend as well. So that'll be coming up on the Farm Bureau guest line. Uh, we'll get into some basketball stuff. Got SEC basketball tonight and tomorrow night. 
and a whole lot more. It's the day after the national championship game. The 2023 college football season has officially reached its conclusion, and Hey Dad weeps. We're back with you after this. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks for being with us. Glad to have you along for the ride today. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. last night was 29. Uh, that's not correct. That is the wrong game that I am looking at. He was 27 of 51 last night for 255 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. And Late in the game, he was visibly hurting, like badly. And he was kind of grabbing it, like his lower right abdomen area, kind of made you wonder if possibly there was a cracked rib or something along those lines that was going on. But, Borky, when we talked earlier today, you, you pointed out that it looked like it changed for him in the third quarter. Yeah, the uh, the interception where... Uh, he clearly got stepped on. I mean, the, the, the takesmen were out in full force on that, by the way, though. Oh, what a terrible mistake from Penix. He, he, uh, he got stepped on, that, that ankle, his right ankle, his driving foot, couldn't get any juice behind it because he was getting stepped on. After that, I thought that kind of ended the game. He was uh, hobbling on the sidelines for sure. It looked like he was having trouble getting on and off the field uh, after that. And I, I read a really nice piece about uh, essentially how sports is is real life and it's not a fairy tale. And Michael Penix would have been a fer- perfect fairy tale ending, mm. but he didn't play well and he got hurt. And it was in the context of how he felt physically after the game and that even though he knew he wasn't playing well and his team was down, you, you know, I'm hurt, you're not taking me off the field, I've got to finish this regardless of how painful everything feels at the moment. It was really well done. But I, I thought that after that interception – I said to myself when it happened, ball game, right there. I thought it was over. And then seeing him hurt, especially on top of Johnson not being able to run at all. As Washington, just they had no shot after that. And at hindsight's twenty twenty, should we have seen this coming at all from Michael Penix? Not necessarily, no, because as Borky pointed out, injury played a role in it, but... We, we did say that they had not played a defense like Michigan's the entire season. That, you know, you don't see Oregon's a really good defense, but they're not as good as Michigan's was. Um, but I guess part in two of it games was, you know, against I, Oregon, I he, he threw for 302 and four touchdowns and then 319 yeah. and a touchdown in two against Oregon. Really good. Really good. And then he was good against Texas, which is a bigger, more physical defense as well. But Michigan is the best defense in the country. And so, you know, should we have predicted a 21-point game? Probably not. But, you know, I think most people thought Michigan would have it relatively easy in this one. It was the third-worst passing performance of the season for Michael Penix. He, against Oregon State, remember that was the next-to-last weekend of the regular season, he threw for 162 yards, 
against Washington State in the final game of the regular season. He threw for 204. And then he bounced back with a big game against Oregon in the uh, in the Pac-12 championship game, went for 319 there, and was incredible against Texas. Completed 76% of his passes for 430 yards in that game. But last night, 53%, 255 with a touchdown and uh, and two picks. And, and we set the bar so high at the beginning of the year for Michael Penix because in the first four games of the season, he went for 450, 409, 473, and 304 with 5, 3, 4, and 4 touchdowns. That was in the first four games of the year, and it was like, holy cow. And he just continued to, to play well. Washington won some close games in the second half of the season. But uh, last night was not their best. Romo Dunze was not his best last night. Dylan Johnson was clearly hurt on the first play of the game. He was trying to play injured, trying to play hurt before it started. And then on the very first play of the game, his ankle kind of gets turned sideways, and he has a big defensive lineman come down on his on his ankle and just he gave it all he had, but that wasn't a whole lot last night. And Michael Penix was clearly not his best, not anywhere. And, and that was even before what we talked about in the third quarter a second ago with the the guy coming down on his ankle. He was off last night. Drops by sure-handed receivers, overthrows by Penix, maybe the pressure just kind of getting to him a little bit even when he did have time to throw. But just not, he certainly was not as accurate as he had been for the majority of the year last night. I think that's, that's one of those things where if you bring pressure early and you get to a guy, you start seeing ghosts. Michigan did that early on, on Penix. I think it, it just affected him the whole game. He, he Every time he dropped back, he thought he was going to get hit. And the crazy thing is, unlike against Alabama, just right out of the gate, when Alabama would go empty and Michi- Michigan kind of brought the house and they had those five first-half sacks, Michigan started that game out last night against Washington just rushing four. And, you know, for a lot of the first quarter, he had time to throw, but then they dialed up the pressure as the game went along. But good grief, guys. I mean, you want to talk about punching in the mouth out of the gate. How about Michigan on the ground in the first half? They had three runs of over 40 yards. It was incredible. I think they averaged... What was it, 17 yards per carry in the first quarter? That's insane. Yeah. I think the stat I saw at one point was they had rushed for like 175 yards, and 154 of it was before contact. That is a stupid stat. Wow. That is a stupid statistic. We love to grade running backs. Yeah, we we love to grade running backs on yards after contact. Maybe that's how you grade offensive lines, yards before contact, because there were some gigantic holes, and Donovan Edwards did a good job of vision, kind of running into the back of offensive linemen and then like regrouping and finding the hole and then just choom, exploding. It was uh, it was pretty impressive. Uh, Kyle says Washington defense looked healthy, but they could not stop the Michigan running game. I agree. I mean, it's that... not built for it. They're not built for it, and, and quali- look at what quality line play gets you. You know, I mean, now it's a conference game for Washington. Now it's a conference game, but uh, but look at what quality line play gets you. That that's something really interesting that that we've gotten out of bowl season is the Big Ten is really good in the trenches. 
really good. Ohio State was better, more physical than Missouri at the line of scrimmage. They didn't have the other stuff, but but they were. I, I mean, you watched Penn State. You saw what Penn State had in the trenches. Ole Miss's offensive line, uh, I mean, they had their hands full for four quarters. It's just they were better, Ole Miss being they, at the skill positions. And then last night, Michigan was better than Alabama at the line of scrimmage. Michigan was clearly better than Washington at the line of scrimmage. So the three best teams in the Big Ten, even though two of them lost their postseason games, were really impressive uh, up front. Really impressive. Formidable, for sure. No doubt. No doubt. Um, Do you guys know how many people are going to be leaving Michigan in terms of seniors or the portal? That's a team that won't look the same next year. We'll just put it that way. They have a they have a lot of seniors. The portal is the portal. It's always those players, but you know McCarthy should be back, but a lot of the pieces around him won't be. Yeah, and, and the most important piece might not be, and that's Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, that that that's the question, right? I mean, what's it going to look like for uh, for Michigan if Jim Harbaugh is coaching in the NFL? And he kind of alluded in a, a post game interview with Scott Van Pelt that you know he was already looking forward to spring practice in Ann Arbor. We'll, we'll see if if that's really what it is, or if it's uh, if it's NFL and getting ready for an NFL season for uh, for Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. Don't most people think he's leaving? Everybody thinks he's leaving. Everybody thinks he's leaving. Yeah, um, he thinks he's leaving. How about uh, this? This was Harbaugh uh, last night when that you, you'll hear the question, but this is him addressing future. All his accomplishments in the big person's table. Would you want to add winning a Super Bowl to that? <laughs> I just want to enjoy this. I just want to enjoy this. Uh, and I hope you give me that. You know, <laughs> can a guy have that? Does it? Does it always have to be? You know, what's next? What's What's the future? Um, you know, like I said the other day, yeah, I hope I hope to have a future. Um, hope there's a tomorrow, a day after tomorrow, you know, a next week, a next month, a next year. Um, and did he get philosophical there at the end? Yeah. I hope to have a future. Yeah, because he did that earlier in the week when he was asked tomorrow, about it as well. But the day after that, I, I mean. He's very noncommittal, and, and understandably so. Look, I mean, I appreciate that he's not lying to anybody. He has never once said, I plan to be back at Michigan. He's never done that. I actually really appreciate that because you don't hire an NFL agent with six NFL jobs open to just stay at Michigan. Clearly, there's some kind of interest there. So he's not lying to anybody. And while the question had to be asked, it sounded like Andy Staples that was asking that question, and that's fine. I mean, that that's expected. I kind of agree with Harbaugh. Can I can I just enjoy tonight? Like, I get that you've got a job to do, and I know you got to ask the question. But my football team just won a national championship, and it's been a hard year, and I'm just going to enjoy this tonight. So, we'll we'll I don't know. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We're back with you right after this. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
Hey, Dad, I'm, this is good news for you. If I'm reading this tweet correctly, a year from now, we'll still be 11 days away from the college football national championship game in Atlanta. You'll get a longer football season next year. That's great. Who wouldn't want that? Who 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 would say no to that? A fool. So, first weekend in December, we'll have the conference championship games, and then there will be an open weekend, and that's when Army Navy will play, and then the weekend after that, we will get the four on campus first round games, and then December thirty first, January first, that window, we'll have the college football playoff quarterfinals which will be played in the Fiesta Peach, Rose, and Sugar Bowls. And then January 9th and 10th, so today and tomorrow, we will get the college football playoff semifinal games happening in the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. And then on January 20th in Atlanta, we will have the national championship game. We got a message a minute ago. I don't know if I'll find it here on the uh, the ceasefire text line. Here it is. Dennis and Cleveland. What I love the most from this year's bowl season and conference realignment is the stage that it sets for the 2024 regular season and the 12-team playoff August of 2024 can't get here soon enough. Yeah. I mean, everything's changing after this. This And not enough of... Wait, but hold on. That can't be correct. That can't be right, though, Borky. Because all we've been told is how the, the regular season is not going to be any good because because we're going to expand the, expand the playoffs. Ugh. It can't be that this year set the stage for a great regular season leading to a 12-team playoff next year. No is that way. possible? No, no, it's impossible. And, yeah, I mean, we had such a great conference championship weekend that we can't ruin that. I mean, oh, how could we ever replace that spectacular Saturday that we got earlier this year? But no, not enough is being talked about about the the, the end of an era. Uh, I mean, the college football playoff, the four team playoff era, is over. On top of that, one of my ten things is the Pac twelve is gone, gone. The Pac twelve is gone. It's over. What remains of the Pac twelve will be the Mountain West merged with Washington State and Oregon State. It's over. Mm-hmm. So all of these changes that are that are happening now. I mean, they've been talked about for years, but but it's here now. We have now entered the off season of real change in the sport. We talked about portal and NIL stuff. That that's not going to be the conversation this summer. It, we're three years in. Reality well, uh, at least feels to be like it's setting in. I'm gonna for hold people. you to that, Borky. I'm gonna hold said, you well. to that. I, I mean, nothing's changing, is it? Is anything changing? It's, oh, if I were you, I wouldn't die on that hill. This I, is college not, football I'm, we're talking about. I mean, it's not a hill I'm dying on. It was mostly a question. It's, I mean, is Congress going to act? No. So what's going to happen? I mean, this is this is reality, at least for now. So we can focus on the other stuff, which yeah. is Texas and Oklahoma now in the SEC. That's done. I mean, they're, they're here after basketball and baseball finish, but for football, it's done. Texas's recruits are, are taking their uh, little photo shoots with the SEC patch on their shoulder now. Saw that yesterday. Made me laugh, but it's it's real. It's here now. Pac-12's gone. The 12-team playoff is here now. It's real. We, you've got these way-too-early top 25s coming out, and guess what those coincide with? Brackets. 
it's it's real. It's here. And here locally, until the games are played, Ole Miss is going to be included in every single one of those. All of them. They're going to be in every single preseason top 10, and they're going to be on every single hypothetical 12-team bracket. Every single one of them. It's here. People are, are not yet ready for that, though. Hey, Ned, we've looked all over the Internet today, and, and we've, seen, we've seen ESPN and Athlon and The Athletic and individuals do their preseason top 25 for next year. Oh, that's not, that's not what you got to project anymore. Now you got to project the 12-team playoff for the following season. You want clicks? You want eyeballs? That's what's going to be different that people will be gravitating to. Show me the 12-team playoff for next season. And here's what you got to remember when you're putting that together. The four highest seeds, the four teams that get the first-round buys, have to be conference champions. So it will be the four highest-ranked conference champions they get the first round buys and then there will be one more automatic qualifier for the next highest ranked conference champion and this isn't official yet but it's this is what's going to what it's going to look like and then you're going to have seven at large spots that's that's what it's going to be next year so more than likely it's going to be the SEC champion the Big 10 champion the Big 12 champion, the ACC champion, and more than likely the highest-ranked group of five conference champion. Those will be the five automatics and then seven at-large spots. And remember, five, six, seven, and eight, which maybe this is a really bad way to look at it. Maybe this isn't the case if you're Georgia or if you're Ohio State or Alabama. I would argue that those five, six, seven, and eight spots are more coveted than the top four spots. Now, if the goal is simply to win a national championship and that's all that matters, Georgia falls into that category, then maybe being one of those top four and getting a first-round bye is more important. But I think the the on-campus first-round games are going to be collectively the coolest thing we've seen in college football in a really, really long time. No doubt. And it's so funny that you would rather miss your conference championship, and host a playoff game because you play the same amount of games. You play the same amount of games. So would you rather have one on your campus or would you rather play a quote-unquote meaningless conference championship game and then have to go to the Rose Bowl for your first playoff game when you're playing the same number of games? So so your question, if you're asking me that as it pertains to Ole Miss, and I know this is crazy to say this, would I rather Ole Miss go 12-0 and in the regular season play in the SEC championship game, win it, and be a top-four seed? Or would I rather Ole Miss be 11-1, and not play in the SEC championship game, and be the number five or the number six? I think I prefer the latter. You're not crazy. Give me the home game. I think I prefer the latter. Um, and Dave on the text line, by the way, says uh, there's no real change. The small guy still will not have a legitimate chance to have an opportunity p- to play for the championship. I got good news for you, Dave. Th- this sounds like you're coming from the position of a Southern Miss fan. The group of five is automatically included in this playoff. A lot of people think that shouldn't be the case, but that is the case. 
That is the case. If Southern Miss takes care of their own business, and they don't even have to be perfect. They don't have to go beat Florida State and Tallahassee. If they take care of their own business, they are automatically included in the playoff. It is written in the contract. Highest-ranked conference, uh, well, uh, again, there are going to be some changes because right now it's still 6-6. Six and six. It was the five Power Five champions and the highest-ranked group of five champion and then six at large. That's going away because only, there's only a Power Four, so it's going to be the Power Four and then one group of, uh, group of five schools. Well, Dave says one group of five school one. Dave, what else do you want? Do you want none? Because they would rather have none. I, I could tell you, Mark Keenum, who, who spoke on this this week, by the way, um, maybe we should have him back soon because of that. But he spoke on this this week because they haven't changed it yet, but they're going to. He's very political and diplomatic. I would love to know, inject him with truth serum, do you think that the group of five should be included? Does everybody in the room think that the group of five should be included? Because I bet I know what their answer is. Most years, not all years, most years, just taking the top 12 ranked teams, period, would lend itself to a better playoff. Most years. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dad, let's, uh, before the break, why don't you lead us off? Give me one item from your list of players, plays, games, moments, teams, stories that pops into the mind for you from the 2023 college football season. Uh, the biggest scrap of the college football season. Lou Holtz versus Ryan Day is on my list. I thought that was absolutely <laughs> Great hilarious. Great choice. Those two okay. guys going at it and Ryan Day coming at him in the postgame press conference made me laugh really hard. You say we're not tough? Not tough enough? Yeah. We're a tough team. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll just kind of round robin this for a little while. We'll do that for most of the four <laughs> o'clock hour as we uh, look back. I completely forgot Ryan Day used a post-game interview to go after Lou Holtz. <laughs> go after Lou Holtz. That's why independently we all needed to make our list. We come at it from a little different angle, and uh, that was not something that was on my list. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll take a quick time out. We're back with you right after that. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We can hash through this again on another day. Uh, Dave missed it last week when we were talking about kind of a, a alternate scenario for the playoffs. 
and I threw out the idea last week, that you just go top 12 regardless of conference for the 12-team playoff. If a group of five teams in the top 12, great. If they're not, that's fine too. 12-team playoff, you know, the on-campus games, the, the quarters, the semis, and the championship game, and you take the top four ranked group of five teams and one versus four and two versus three play in semifinals, and then you play a G5 championship game as well. And if there is a G5 team in the top 12, they're still there. You just take two, three, four, and five, where two, five, and three, four play each other in semifinals in a G5 championship game as well. And it's almost like the opportunity to have the best of both worlds. Everybody that's playing in the G5 has the opportunity to play themselves into a top 12 spot and be in the national championship playoff. But there is also an opportunity for a G5 championship that could be really, really cool. And we were talking last week, think it would draw a ton of eyeballs because it would be more championship-level football. But from Sunbelt, Conference USA, Mountain West, um, American, what's the, what am I forgetting? Just one more. Oh, the Mac. I always forget about the Mac. The Mac could be the fifth. So, anyway, this is what we talked about last week. All right, so moments that stood out Players, plays, games, moments, teams, stories from the 2023 college football season. Hey, Dad gave us the kerfluffle between Ryan Day and Lou Holtz. Somewhere about week five or week six, something like that. Hmm. Okay. Borky, give me one of yours. So I, I did uh, I did complete 10, and I'll start with the most local. I mean, Ole Miss won the Peach Bowl to win 11 games. And for, for context, at least at the Division One level, that, that has happened only one other time in Mississippi. Shout out to Southern Miss. Did it back in 2011. Otherwise, it's never happened before. And, and I know that there always hasn't been the number of games on the schedule that would lead to 11-win seasons. That's more of a, a modern thing, but still... I mean, Ole Miss did something this year that only one other team in Mississippi history has done, and that is win 11 games in a season. So uh, the context of that I I don't think should be lost uh, on people uh, and on us because of all the other stuff going on with the changes and building for 2024. Staying in the present, uh, I mean, they had a, a special season that has only been bested one other time in the history of this state. In terms of number of wins, of course. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I had kind of a, a pseudo version of that. I just wrote it down as, and, and by the way, I did ten plus one that I added, so that's eleven, and then I've got seven in the honorable mention category. Thought there were a lot of really cool stories from uh, from this year, but I just wrote down Ole Miss fans descending on Atlanta for the Peach Bowl, the eleven and two season, the momentum going into the off season toward twenty twenty four. Kind of all of that encapsulated as as just like a like a big picture theme for Ole Miss football in twenty twenty three. So I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, Deion Sanders slash Colorado. It dominated the entire month of September. 
kind of dominated the offseason. A lot of conversation leading into it. What's Colorado going to look like? 1-11 a year ago. New coach. Complete roster turnover. Brought their own luggage. The whole deal. All of that occupied a ton of the offseason. And then you get to the games. And they go on the road to Fort Worth. And they beat TCU in a wild game. And then they go back home with... What, Big Noon on Fox there, and they beat Nebraska. And the following week they have Colorado State there, and Big Noon on Fox comes back, and game day is there. I mean, the hype around it was, for some, almost nauseating, but it was fun. And then it kind of fell apart. They didn't kind of fall apart. It completely fell apart. And yet Colorado still was three wins better than they were a year ago. That they won four games. Four is not enough, but it was a starting point. And there was a lot that was was fun about Colorado in September. Even if it was overkill. But we certainly know that national media and ESPN and Fox will gravitate to a story. Yeah, like Kirk Herbstreet's dog. Like, we get it. You have a really handsome golden retriever. Looks a little overweight, doesn't he? It, old Ben needs to, to shed some pounds, but you had a team's mascot on the field that got shown less than Kirk's dog. Show the husky more. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Four o'clock hour coming up. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the 4 o'clock hour of Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation, join us, won't you, on the C Spire text line. Some spirited debates happening today over on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business cspire.com slash business. Again, that number is 601-879-4395. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio, Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Book your tee time or plan your trip today. Dancing Rabbit Golf is part of Pearl River Resort. So... It's it's more local to this area, but um, baseball fans in the state of Mississippi are, are uh, losing a team today, officially announced by mm-hmm. the Mississippi Braves. Uh, a recently speculated move has now gone official. They say 2024 will be the M Braves' final season in Pearl. Uh, they will be relocating to Columbus, Georgia to start the 2025 season. They thank a lot of people, and the last sentence is, 
We are hopeful that this is not the end of professional baseball in Pearl, and our organization will support any efforts to bring a team to Trustmark Park in the future. So it is done. And that is a shame. You go to how many of those games do you go to a year? Half dozen? More. Uh, d- double digits. Okay. 10 to 12. Yeah, I, I knew you fairly regularly went. Mm-hmm. A lot of weekends. A lot of weekends. Uh, mostly only weekends just because of, you know, this. Um, but here's the thing. So I, I saw a Facebook comment section because that's, you know, where everything is, is sane and normal. Um, replying to an article about the possibility of them moving. And it was, everybody was mad. Oh, how could they do this? How could they do this? How could they do this? I didn't chime in because I value my sanity, but I'm thinking if all of you that talk about how terrible it is would show up, this wouldn't be happening. Nobody went. I mean, lowest, second lowest attendance in the Southern League or lowest attendance in the Southern League. I mean, you're, you're telling them that you don't want them to stay. And I know, I understand that the park has its issues. It does. It looks like it's stuck in the past and not like 1968 nostalgia where the park is like this old historic place. No, it feels like it's stuck in 2005, you know, when Eminem is still on the top of the charts. It's just, I understand that. But nobody went. And if you don't go, they're going to find somewhere else to go i just i found the energy the disappointing energy not matching the attendance the the interest in the team itself and going to the games so i'm assuming that columbus georgia is going to significantly upgrade golden park which is where the braves will play there um it yeah Found a story where it said they were looking at fifty million dollars worth of upgrades. I mean, and that's huge, and 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 it needs it. it it'll take every bit of it to uh, to get it where it needs to be. Yeah, and so and, I mean, trust Mark. Just it's it's just everything was wrong here. People didn't show, and and the the park was annually depleting. And, and it, it's a very typical minor yeah, look, league move, I mean, it's, by it's the way. It's the business of minor league baseball. If you don't yeah. follow that at all, I mean, AutoZone Park in Memphis, which is a AAA ballpark, was once the crown jewel of all of minor league baseball when it was new. The way they built that park, it was actually with a plan to be able to add on. If Memphis were ever to get a major league baseball team, it is embarrassing, the state that AutoZone Park is now in. I've talked with some people there, and, Look, Memphis may not be far from having similar news with minor league baseball, especially with the contraction that has happened in uh, in minor league baseball as well. So that's a bum deal, though, right? I mean, Trustmark Park was a cool place to go. Uh, Braves I mean, had, I love it. My son loves it. Braves had a lot of success there. Um, where the Governor's Cup has been played, I'll be interested to see how the park is maintained and whether or not that game continues to be played in Pearl, whether or not you still have – Mississippi State, Southern Miss, and Pearl, and Ole Miss, Southern Miss, and Pearl once a year. I mean, that collegiate series has been fun and has been pretty well attended through the years. But if if it's not being maintained by a minor league organization, you know, will the city of Pearl? I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know the politics of that. I, I don't either. I, if that would be the I'd... city of Pearl that owns it, then um, the maintenance will fall to them, or if 
somebody else will try to buy it. I, I don't know. So we'll uh, we'll see where that goes. That's big news. Big very, news. Very very disappointing. We are talking about the players, plays, games, moments, teams, and stories of the 2023 football season. We started off with Brian Haydad uh, mentioning the fluff up between Lou Holtz and um, uh, Ryan Day at Ohio State. Borky talked about Ole Miss's 11-win season. I mentioned Dion and Colorado as the story that dominated the first month of the season. Hey, Dad, back to you. Give me another one of your moments from 2023. I'll play off of yours. Uh, the Colorado-Oregon game was one for me because I just Ooh. enjoyed all of the, the, the pro football talking heads who decided this was the week they wanted to know more about college football. And just look at, you know, I, I forget Oregon was like, what, like a 20-point favorite or something like that. It was a big line. Mm-hmm. And they were, I just don't understand. It's so disrespectful. This game's going to be, you know, they're going to be in it. And some guys are in there like, I think Colorado wins this. And I'm just, you know, I don't make y'all's money, but I do watch enough games to know that Colorado was never in its life going to be a, a competitor to Oregon. And so I just thought that the, the aftermath of that game was really funny that of people finally realizing, okay, you know, Colorado is not going to win the national championship in year one. And we got the Dan Lanning video from the uh, locker room. Yeah. They're, they're playing for clicks, yeah. and we're playing for whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was certainly one of the uh, one of the moments. Borky, give me another one. Uh, another local one. I, I started my list local. Uh, Mississippi State won a conference game on the road by a score of 7-3. to three. We got a seven to three that. game, a seven to three win. By the way, in Fayetteville, that was—I mean—incredible. Uh, has many different denotations. That was an incredible football game. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you say so. I. Uh, I'll, I'll. I'll buy it. Well, he, he did give you the caveat that it, it wasn't necessarily the uh, the most commonly used version of incredible. Um, right. Yeah, it was it was something. I don't know what to think, Borky, about that being one of the ten moments that immediately well, popped I, in your I, mind. I tried to bring it local. You know, it did one for Ole Miss, it had one for State, but uh, yeah. So the the second line of incredible well the first line impossible to believe or difficult to believe or extraordinary and then the informal is amazingly good or beautiful so the definition of incredible is that football game difficult to believe <laughs> um of all the games that were played last year that was certainly one of them that was one of them you can call that football technically uh A&M finally pulled the trigger on Jimbo. I have that, too. After a 41-point win. $76 million after a 41-point win, and they finally said, enough. Um, I think think that moment proves what I like to say a lot of times, which is there's always money. There's always money. Eventually, it reaches everything reaches a point where you go like, "I'll pay to make this go away." At some point, you get to cost benefit analysis. Yeah, yeah. If we get deep into the economics of it, there, yeah, yeah. It had been talked about for a long time. He was on everybody's hot seat, but there were a lot of people, a lot of people with rational minds that just looked at it and they're like, "I mean, it's still 
$76 million. Nobody's going to pay that. Uh, We saw $30 million a couple of years ago, but they did. You hit on it. You said rational minds. Nothing rational about being a college football fan. You're up, hey, Dad. Ooh, let's go. uh, I'll pick a Mississippi. I only had one Mississippi State thing on the list, but it's the LSU game. Watching the performance of Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a QB and a wide receiver that in sync. The the deep ball just over and over and over again. I didn't know that I was watching the Heisman Trophy winner. I knew I was watching a, a big performance. Um, but that was one of the greatest offensive performances I've seen by two players uh, at once. Good news is you won't have to... Uh... You won't have to see those purple and gold tigers this guy. Ah, I get out of that one. That's y'all. Yeah. Which was kind of fun to watch this year. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll talk about that later. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We're back with you right after this. It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Vince gives us a question on the Ceasefire text line. Curious, why is Kirby Smart's name not ever mentioned about any other coaching gigs? Not necessarily college, but more so the NFL. His name is starting to pop up for some NFL jobs. As it look, as it pertains to college jobs, my answer is because he has either the best or one of the very few best jobs in the country. He's paid a king's ransom. High school football in Georgia is great. They are completely all in on NIL above the table and below. The facilities are phenomenal, stadium, practice facility, football-only facilities, and he's proven you can win titles there, where he's won two national championships and played for another. Those are the reasons he doesn't look at another college job. My gut feeling is that Kirby Smart is more of a college coach than an NFL coach. But all that is is a gut. Some of the some of the convincing guys to believe in a thing that Kirby does that plays so well at the college level would be a complete non-starter in the NFL. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you've seen recently the guys making the jump from college to the NFL fail. That's not just recently though. No, I mean, it, constant. Nick Saban didn't work in the NFL. Pete Carroll's an outlier, but he went NFL, college, NFL, so that doesn't even really count. Yeah. Um, it's different. I mean, could Mike McDaniel, for example, be a college head coach? Could Would that demeanor? Yes, because I mean, he's brilliant. Schematically, sure, but would, so. would that that attitude, that laid-backness? 100%. You think so? Yes. I think so. I mean, yeah. schematically, he would outsmart every single coach he would ever come across. I mean, I could think of a... Guy who a coach who comes across as pretty laid back, who's having a lot of success right now in college football. Harbaugh? No, 
No, I think he's going Kiffin. with last names uh, rhymes with Whiffin. Well, <laughs> Kiffin got a shot in the NFL. He just was too young for it. He wasn't ready for it. But, yeah, Kiffin's kind of a laid-back, mellow. He and Mike McDaniel are not the same person. Don't get that. Mm-mm. Don't think it like that. But, but yeah, I think I think the, the, the laid-back kind of, you know, eh, uh, I don't know how to put it. He's just not not the most in-your-face guy, at least not in the public. It can, can succeed in college. And, and there is some back and forth. There is some up and down, but it doesn't usually work. You haven't seen just a whole lot of NFL to college that's gone great either. Yeah. Mike Fig. Sherman didn't work at, at, the, at, the, at Texas A&M. Lovey Smith didn't work. No. Yeah, didn't work. Fish right now would be an outlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Jed Fish wasn't a head coach in the NFL. Wasn't a head coach, yeah. No. But, yeah. Yeah. Pete Carroll counts. Oh, sure. But, but like, whatever your scenario, Pete Carroll's an outlier. Mm -hmm. Like, he's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. I mean, Spurrier didn't work in the NFL. Saban didn't work in the NFL. Matt Rule didn't work in the NFL. Bill O'Brien might might have been more successful in the NFL than (laughs) people look at his college time. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Shiano try the NFL? Tampa. He did. Yeah, it didn't work. That did not work. Did not work. Um, You can jump in on the uh, ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Herm Edwards, NFL guy, jumps into college. Doesn't really work. Doesn't really work. Uh, Harbaugh is the best example of it working at both levels. Harbaugh was good at San Diego State. Yeah. It took a little while, but he was good at Sanford. He just won a national championship at Michigan, and he took the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl. I mean, it, in terms of guys that have succeeded at both levels, there's Pete Carroll and there's Jim Harbaugh, like who have succeeded at a high level at both levels. Is there another one? Was it Dan Devine that came from the Packers down to Notre Dame? Is that right? Yeah, but he wasn't he wasn't great at the NFL. Um I'm trying to think. Nah. Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson went from college Jimmy to Johnson. the NFL. That That's was a, a really good one. good one. But his stint in the NFL was not extended. Not not that that matters. I'm no. I'm not but but he didn't go long time in college as a head coach, long time in the NFL. Barry Switzer, to some degree, I still will always think. I know he won a title with the Cowboys. I will always think of Barry Switzer as a college coach. All right. Players, plays, games, moments, teams, stories from 2023. Borky, I believe you are up. Florida State being left out of the playoff. I mean, think about what Florida State did in their season. They beat LSU. A top 15 LSU on a neutral site who had the Heisman Trophy winner beat them. They beat Florida in the swamp. They beat Clemson in Death Valley. They didn't lose a game, and they won a Power 5 championship. And they got left out of the playoff. 
I never would have believed you if you'd have told me in August a Power 5 team's going to go undefeated with those wins and get left out of the playoff. I never would have thought that that scenario would have played out. And there we sat as Florida State got left out as a perfect Power 5 champion with two SEC wins. Because, Borky, we've never had a season like this, right? And, and that's and, and another one of Going back to 2014... When the college football playoff began, starting with the 2015 college football playoff championship game, we haven't had a scenario like that where you had an undefeated power. Like, not only have we not had that scenario, it's never even been a question. You've had two loss conference champions miss out. You've had one loss conference champions, but an undefeated conference champion, not even close. And yet here we are. Um it's funny, I, I included that in my honorable mention list. And I know it was one of the uh, the really big stories, but again, I'm not sure it's one of the first things. One of the first things that's going to pop to my mind this year about this season, New Mexico State going to the Plains in the next to last weekend of the regular season and beating the brakes off of Auburn. If that had happened in week one or week two, it would have been even a bigger deal than it was. It was just buried on the calendar because of where it happened. Maybe my single most favorite result of the season. You really liked hilarious. that outcome. It was just so funny. Because not only did they lose, but like you said, they killed them. Yeah. They just left them for dead on their own home field. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like uh, you've seen yeah, Auburn I've... in games like that before where it kind of looks ugly, and then they get it together. And, you know, they went, end up winning it by two touchdowns. No, no, no. It looked ugly, and then it got worse. It was just an absolute beatdown, and you don't see that very often. No. Not like that. No. By the way, we got uh, the rating in from last night. This is the third time in four years a semifinal beat the championship. However, because of last year's blowout, it was up 45% from a year ago. Just barely over 25 million people watched the game last night. Big, big number, but still got beat by the Rose Bowl. By a few million, because the Rose Bowl was like right at 28 million and topped out at 32, 33 mm-hmm. million. So the official average number for the Rose Bowl was 27.76. So 2.76 million more people watched the semifinal than the championship. A couple of reasons, right? New Year's Day. Alabama. Everybody was off work in Michigan, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and, and the Super Bowl is very different, but, the, I mean, with that, that phenomenon doesn't really exist in any other sport. you, you got to have a master Saturday outright a Sunday? No. you got to have an Elite Eight game outright the championship? Nah. Nope. I mean, it's that that's unique to college football. Um... <sighs> comes up every single year, every single year, and it's because you don't want to go up against the NFL. I get it, I get it, I get it. The, the, the Monday night national championship game for college football is going to top out at $30 million. You know, maybe if, maybe if you had Alabama-Michigan in the championship game and it had been an epic game that went to overtime like we had in the Rose Bowl, maybe you get to 35, but it's more likely to be in that 25 to $28 million range. Borky, if we had a championship game on a Monday night, go over $30 million? If so, it would have been early. Early on in this? Mm-hmm. 
And and so it does beg the question. I know everybody's home on Monday night. It's a good TV watching night, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Super Bowl's on Sunday, not on Monday. Super Bowl's numbers would not be as good on Monday night as they are on Sunday night. College football is played on Saturday all year long. People have to work on Tuesday. Yeah. Sports talk. I found myself dozing off in the fourth quarter, and we're in Central Time. Oh, I was wide awake through the end of that one last night. I thought about getting a coffee, but it ended up being a blowout, and I survived. We'll continue our list of things from the college football season after this. Are we going to do this? Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel Apparel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. You can also find Genteel at men's specialty stores across the state of Mississippi, including at Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland, Reed's in Starkville, Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg, Abraham's in Indianola, The Willander in Brandon, Mile 363 in Natchez, T. Sappington and Company in New Albany, and more. For a full listing of stores that carry Genteel products, again, go to the website, genteelapparel.com. If you order online, don't forget you can get 10% off just by entering your email address and get free shipping on orders over $150. I got it covered up up top. I got got the golf shirt, the Genteel golf shirt. I got the canvas pants on today. A little cooler today. That, uh, that kind of lightweight canvas, great pant if you are uh, trying those out. We're all doing genteel today, too. Hey, Dad's got his stripes going. Borky's I'm head got to toe. The, yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. If they made good shoes, stuff. I'd have those on. They do not make shoes. I don't even know that that's been discussed. Probably not. I'll have to ask Blake. Now, I, I think that's a whole different ball game when you decide to jump into the shoe market as well. Check them out. Friends of ours, you will love them too. Genteelapparel.com. Um, am I up? Who's up? I think it's you. Um, Mississippi State hired, fired its head football coach after 10 games on the job. 11 if you want to count the bowl game. And the circumstances, I, I know they were odd and they were they were strange. I don't think that you could have, lay, could have laid out a scenario for me before the season began. Hey, Dad, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I should phrase this a different way. Hey, Dad, is there a scenario that I could have laid out for you in August where you would have believed that Zach Arnett would have not made it all the way through the regular season? I mean, outside of him doing something criminal, no. And so to me, that's why it's surprising. Mississippi State hires Zach Arnett for largely for the purposes of stability. After the passing of Mike Leach, he coaches the bowl game, goes through the offseason, builds out his staff, brings in a new offensive coordinator, 
promotes with a defensive coordinator internally, adds to the staff, makes some nice additions. We've talked about Chad Bumpus and the addition that, that he's been, but it just didn't work. And to Mark Keenum and Zach Selman's credit, they recognized that. That they recognized it's just not working. And they pulled the plug. And it doesn't mean that Zach Arnett's not a good guy. It doesn't mean that he's not a good defensive coach. It doesn't mean that he might not turn out to be a really good head coach somewhere down the line. But in this scenario at this time, it was not working. And it was not working coinciding with significant success for in-state rival, and that probably ratcheted up the angst a little bit more. And they pulled the plug. And it was the right decision. It was not an easy decision. It was not a fun decision, but it was the right decision. And I think that's going to be one of the lasting memories for me and one of the things that I think about, especially when we talk about locally um, from the 2023 season. Hey, Dad, back around to you. Let's see here. What do we got on the list next? Uh, we'll stay local. I thought the game of the year in college football this year was Ole Miss versus LSU. Well, that mm-hmm. was the best game of the year. Uh, just an incredible back and forth. If you like defense, it wasn't the game of the year. But I like seeing points on the board. I like seeing big plays. Uh, and I thought that was I thought that was just a spectacular college football game. And that's the launching point for Ole Miss's season as well. If they lose that game, you know, I mean, they might have they might have gone nine and three. Yeah, but they might have gone nine and three if they lose that game. I mean, it's it's possible they don't win. They they don't. Nothing else changes for them. But I feel like they gained so much confidence because they think about Ole Miss this year. They won a lot of close games. I think that game against LSU gave them the boost they needed to be ten and two and then eleven and two. Uh, in this season. That was an incredible game. I really enjoyed it. That's my game of the year. Down two scores with not long. Five minutes remaining? Five and a half minutes remaining? Or was it nine? Well, yeah, whatever. Like that. It, it was down two scores in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I had that yeah. on my list, but you know what? Like, there was a singular play. When I think about that game, I don't think about the offense. Which is crazy, right? In a 55-49 game, it's not the offense. It the it's the hit that Dejon Anthony put on Jaden Daniels, the eventual Heisman Trophy winner, that caused the fumble that Ole Miss recovered that you've seen a hundred times. It's like that's the image that pops into my head when I think about that game. Forky. Fourth and thirty-one. Great. That's on my list. Excuse me. Fourth and goal from the thirty-one. Fourth and goal. From the 31, stood between Auburn and Hugh Freeze in a signature win, keeping Alabama out of the playoff, and you couldn't stop them. Fourth and goal from the 31, the same guy whose team gave up fourth and 26 to go to the SEC championship game. I think it's fourth and 25. Fourth and 25, not fourth and 26. Fourth and twenty-five. However, could you forget? Because April twenty-fifth, uh, Haydad reminds all of his Twitter followers that it is uh, a great day. It's four twenty-five day. It's true. It's true. It's true. Is it one of those where you're like, "Hey, 
props to all who celebrate or something like that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, what a throw, what a catch. Fourth and 25. Fourth and 25 and fourth and 31. Same guy. How does that happen? How does that happen? Two very different plays. Two very different plays, but uh, but still. An outcome that uh, was, was similar. All we needed... To have an just—I know Alabama lost, but still—to have an off season where we got to pretend that Nick Saban was human, all you needed to was get a stop on fourth and goal from the thirty-one. That's all you had to do. And instead, Nick Saban is inevitable, as always. One of the lasting, pop in the head moment teams stories is the biggest fly in the ointment of the college football season. And maybe not what you would expect, the North Alabama Lions. Who knew that North Alabama was going to play the role that they played in one of the biggest stories of the college football season? Because it was against North Alabama when Jordan Travis had the horrific injury that knocked him out of the remainder of the season, brought St. Rodemaker in, who eventually was not able to play, and third-string quarterback, and Florida State gets left out of the playoffs. We, we call it butterfly effect. And I know North Alabama didn't really do anything wrong here. They did lead in that game for a while, which really had people shocked. Um, there was no upset to be had on that night. But that was the night that the hopes and dreams, unbeknownst to them, came crashing down for Florida State. And maybe known to them a little bit. Maybe there were Florida State fans who thought, we can't win a national championship without Jordan Travis. And they probably would have been right. But I don't think that those same people knew at that point that they weren't even going to have the opportunity to try to win one without Jordan Travis. So, Jordan Travis's injury against North Alabama on the list. We got time for another one? That's a great one, actually. The butterfly effect of that um, game, uh, of the FCS games that people don't like. Yeah. And and I'll I'll throw one in real quick because this game spin this this result spins everything else the way it ends up, and that's Texas beating Alabama. Ooh. If Alabama beats Texas then Florida State probably gets into the, the college football playoff. But Texas beating Alabama, they're both sitting there with one loss. If you were going to take Alabama, you had to take Texas, and that's what knocked Florida State out. Also, it, it, that was the Texas's back moment. That was the moment where you knew Texas was going to be okay going forward in the SEC, I think. Um, and it was also sort of a turning point for Jalen Milrow, who I thought was much better Throughout the season, after that game, that was not a good game for Milrow, and he didn't play poorly. Really, didn't really play really poorly after that until they played until they played in the Rose Bowl. But yeah, but it was, it was his was, performance, hey, that in that game that led to him not playing in the next game against South Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just just that game, the butterfly effect of that game is Florida State doesn't make the playoff. Yeah. I mean, the launch point for, for Jalen Milrow and his success this year was the Ole Miss game in Tuscaloosa. He was calm, poised, made good throws, made some plays with his legs. That was the launch point for Jalen Milrow and what he turned into this season 
in college football. We'll take a timeout. We'll wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you coming up next. It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. It's time to ease off the subtweeting a little, I think. Um, Quinchon Judkins is now with Ohio State. He's committed to Ohio State. That was Twitter official last night. And there have been mixed reactions to that. Um. Blaine Kiffin has been very active on the uh, the social media channels over the last couple of days. Well, all the time, but especially over the last couple of days. Kind of feels like it's probably time to just move on. Uh, we got a couple of minutes to wrap this up. John Harris going to lead things off with us in the uh, 5 o'clock hour for the College Football Fix, which will be brought to you by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealers today. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydeb. Uh, when John joins us, it will be on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Uh, I have two left on my list that uh, that are not duplicates. What have you guys got left? You got one left, hey, Dad? Yeah, I have a few left. Um, okay. I mean, Connor Stallions has to be on this list, right? To has me. to be. I don't even have to say Michigan cheating. I just have to say Connor Stallions. First off, great name, elite name, especially when we're talking about basically a B-level bad guy. You know, like if you told me that Tom Cruise in this next edition of Mission Impossible would be fighting uh, his his arch nemesis as Connor Stallions. Okay, sounds good to me. Um, and then just, I mean, the picture of him on the uh, Central Michigan sideline and the the manifesto and finding out he had tickets to all these games that he didn't go to once he got found out and then seeing him at the Rose Bowl with that crap eaten grin on his face when when they uh, when they beat out I mean the guy was a central figure of this college football season whether you want to remember it or not night? haven't seen it but you know he was there there's no way he would have missed it mm. so I mean he brought manifestos back into a into style, you know. It's been a long time since since Karl Marx had written one. So yeah, Connor Stallions got to be in the list. Borky got another one. Uh, college game day at James Madison, I thought was awesome. 
I, I, I really thought, Great visual. yeah, it was just incredible visuals. And um, I, I love how they will do the show from a quote-unquote little guy, even though James Madison feels like a, uh, a power at this point. And by the way, Southern Miss has James Madison on the schedule next year, I believe, on the road. So um, Luke, I, I think, will make the trip. I think he told us that he would go uh, when they got the opportunity. We'll see firsthand that James Madison is nothing uh, like a small-time program, but still, it shows you just the depth of give a you know what there is in college football at all levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, Borky, okay, you alluded earlier to the fact that the Pac-12 no longer exists. I'm not sure if that was part of this list, so I'm not going to repeat on that one, except for the fact that the Pac-12 no longer exists. There is no more Pac-12 after dark. There is no more Arizona at Colorado with the snow falling, like I remember from 1990, what, four, five, six. You remember that game, hey, Dad, where the quarterback for Arizona did the flip into the end zone and the snow was falling? Or take a Jenkins. That game is etched into my memory forever. I don't know why, but it is. Southern Cal and UCLA, I mean, are they still going to play and wear alternate uniforms? Yeah, but as members of the Big Ten, Oregon's not in the Pac-12 anymore. That's crazy. It's gone. And one of the things that I had written down here kind of in my honorable mention list, coinciding with the destruction of the Pac-12 is the stabilization of the Big 12, who looked like they were dead. And then, like, we're back. They made a better hire at the commissioner level. They were aggressive in recruiting teams. And they were the beneficiary of the Pac-12 crumbling. Specific game that stands out to me, though. Washington, Oregon, round one. Not so much the Pac-12 championship game on a Friday night in Vegas. But round one in Seattle... Packed house, loud, loud, loud. Um, Dan Lanning, the decision to go for it, not kick the field goal before the half, the fourth down decisions, how good Michael Penix was, how good Roma Dunze was, how good Dylan Johnson was. That game, hey, Dad, you said Ole Miss LSU game of the year. That first Oregon-Washington game got to be in the top five. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour coming up. We'll talk with John Harris, who was at the chance. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. Welcome to the 5 o'clock hour of Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort. Check them out online, pearlriverresort.com. We'll start things off today for the College Football Fix on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. One of our favorite, John Harris, joins us. One of our favorites, I should say. Uh, works with the Houston Texans. Also, his website, footballtakeover.com. ton of great stuff that is uh, is there. He was in attendance last night uh, in a rare capacity as a fan. <laughs> uh, just went to watch the national championship game in his home city last night. How was it, man? 
It was awesome not having a dog in the fight. It was really cool. Um, I mean, we've at NRG Stadium lately. Here's what we've had: we had Christmas Eve, we had Christmas Eve game that followed up three days later with the Tech Tech Texas Bowl, which yeah. I called for our local radio station. Then we had a Chris, we had a New Year's Eve day game. Then we flew to Indianapolis, had a, our first primetime game on a Saturday, came back, had the Monday Night National Championship. They're in the process now of scrubbing the field, getting everybody out of the building, and then re-get it and getting it ready for Saturdays against the Browns. So um, it was kind of nice last night to have no dog in the fight and just watch. And it was it was awesome. I mean, it's the first national championship game I've been to. And watch well, I take it back. I went to one. <laughs> I'm gonna date myself here, <laughs> but I went to the 1993 Sugar Bowl when Alabama mm. took on Miami. Yeah. Um, as I guess probably known as the George Teague game, uh, when George Teague ran down Lamar Thomas, um, and became a Daniel Thomas painting, I'm sure. Um, that was incredible because it was probably 85% Bama fans and 15% Miami fans. And Bama that night went nuts in the immediate I mean, Bama home game. And that's probably the only regret, I guess, is I wish there would have been an SEC team there. I wish it would have been, you know, Alabama, Washington or Michigan, Alabama or, you know, Michigan, Georgia, whomever. Um, although both teams definitely showed up for sure. Um, they definitely showed up. Those two Big Ten teams, they're going to be Big Ten teams. They both showed up and it was a great atmosphere. Really great atmosphere, but you could tell Michigan was just pistol whipping Washington, and it probably shouldn't have even been close. I give credit uh, to the Washington defense, who really hadn't shown up all year to finally show up and make some stops and, and let the offense kind of muddle its way back into it. Um, and then it gets to 2013, and Penix hits a due down the sideline, and you're like, okay, on, I look at the Washington side, they're going nuts like they're in a ball game, the 35-yard line, they finally hit a deep ball. And then it gets called back for the holding. And it was like the whole game changed after that. They got the stop. Loveland makes the catch. They're going to score. And you're like, okay, um, this one's pretty pretty much close to over. Um, and, and, and then, pretty, of course, Michigan tacked on a few. A, a pretty light holding call against Washington if you went back and watched it. And then yeah. a pretty egregious hold against Michigan that wasn't called on the completion to Loveland that goes for the big play and really turns the game. I so those things happen, right? That's going to be part of a football game. But to me, when it mattered the most, Michigan's defense just stood up. I, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a college secondary in particular tackle as well as Michigan tackled last night. Ooh. Oh, that is a great point, Richard. I kept saying it. I was sitting up next to you know a friend of mine, my my 85-year-old uh, best friend here in Houston, Um and he's one of Nolan Ryan's best friends. I've got to know him. And he's so funny because he he's known baseball a lot of his life. But football, he loves to sit and kind of pick my brain about games and such. And so we kept saying to one another, oh, my gosh, what a tackle. Oh, he's gone if you don't make that tackle. Um, and, you know, Washington's secondary made a couple tackles after obviously not even touching Donovan Edwards. They made a couple right. of tackles um, in, in their own right. But. Just not enough, but Michigan, my goodness, there are a couple of times I thought a Dunze was going to spin out of a tackle, you know, on a speed out, he spins out of it, and you're looking, there's a lot of green grass. And Rod Moore, uh, Sab, number three, I mean, he was incredible. Um, Will Johnson, to me, is the best corner in the country, and he's only a sophomore. Um, he's incredible. He's got Patrick Sertan written all over him in my eyes. I mean, he's unbelievable. And that secondary is really good. And, and, you know, the best guy is probably the smallest guy, Mikey Sanders still, who was tremendous all year long playing the nickel. And that's the one thing about him. 
He's a former receiver. You know, when you go to defensive back, it's the one thing you worry about. Like, okay, he'll be able to match routes or learn how to cover because, you know, he's a receiver. He understands routes. He's quick. But he turns into a really good tackler out in space, which I think is going to end up making him a pretty high draft pick. Um, and he has obviously that pick at the end, which is kind of the backbreaker, uh, when NRG Stadium fell, is going to fall down. That's when the Michigan fans felt like, okay, this one's ours. John, let me, let me ask you about the quarterbacks last night. There are people that have JJ McCarthy as a first round guy a year from now. Uh, Michael Penix, it feels like opinions are kind of all over the place. Did, did he significantly hurt himself last night? Is that third round grade? Does that make sense? Has he done enough throughout the course of the year that you think he's a first round guy? What, what, what do you make of these two quarterbacks? Well, going into the, uh, you know over at footballtakeover.com, I can't remember exactly where I where I where I put him, but I think it was probably in the eighteen to twenty range. Um, just I felt like he's got an NFL arm, and you know you get an NFL arm in the right situation, uh, you can you can do wonders. Now there were also some things I was worried about with him, but he started to kind of clean those up. You know, a lot of his intermediate throws were were high and off target. Um, you know, in twenty twenty two, and I thought that could maybe hurt him a little bit. Um, but I felt like he started to clean some of those things up. He was showing some some definite mobility in the pocket and delivering um, the fourth down touchdown. He had to move a little bit in the pocket and then zipped it. Um, I think Penix is a first rounder. Um, I don't think last night really hurt him a ton, to be honest. Yeah, he missed a couple of throws, but he was facing the best secondary and the best um, defense he had faced all year long. And he struggled a bit, and I, I don't think there's any question with that. But he showed a lot of moxie getting through that football game. You know, it's a guy that has dealt with a lot of injuries, two ACL tears. Um, he had his shoulder, I think, reconstructed. And he's bounced back with two tremendous years, staying relatively healthy a couple of years. So hopefully the, the injury concern is not going to be, you know, a, a deal breaker for teams. Um, but I'm telling you, the ball, the first ball he threw – I think it was just a speed out on the sideline and he catches shotgun snap and I'm just like, whoa, kind of just took my breath like, holy smokes, he can throw it. And there are going to be some teams that are going to want that. They're going to want that vertical game down the field. He's going to be a guy that delivers. He's got to quicken the pace a little bit and he still has to, I think, hone in on those intermediate routes and being forceful and more consistent with those. But I think he's a first rounder. The third round, third round talk to me is kind of, I don't know. I don't. I don't get that. I'm not third round now. Could could I see a scenario where he fell into the top of the second? Oh, sure. That always happens with quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, but I think to me, there's a clear three. It's Caleb Williams. It's Drake May. It's Jaden Daniels. I feel like there's a clear three. Then you get into okay, where does McCarthy fit in this? If he declares, I think he probably should go back for one more year. I don't think he answered all the questions about him as a complete quarterback. But I know there will be some teams that are going to like his full complement of skills. He's just not a big guy. I was I was kind of watching him from above, and I was like, wow, he's really not big. Um, but he's got he's got four five speed. You can put him in an RPO system. A lot of play action, movement skills. He's got them. So McCarthy to me is in that mix with Bo Nix, um, in that kind of third tier. I think Penix is kind of in his second tier all his loan. So it's so those top three, then Penix, and then Nix and McCarthy after that. But I think if you're looking for a quarterback, you could do a whole heck of a lot worse um, like the 2022 draft. It was awful, terrible. This, I think, is a pretty solid draft for quarterbacks and feel pretty good about the, the, the prospects 
for these particular guys. All right, let's turn the page from uh, from last night's national championship game to uh, to your team. C.J. Stroud has been so much fun to watch this year, over 4,100 yards passing, 23 touchdowns. It's been rare that he has looked like a rookie. This matchup with Cleveland, Saturday afternoon, 3.30 there in Houston, so a home first-round game. we got two minutes left. Give me Give me the quick breakdown. Well, just the fact we're playing a home game is a minor miracle. I mean, we've got we've talked for the last couple of years, and basically, what all we could talk about is how do you kind of sift through the dysfunction? Well, you go hire D'Amico Ryan's, and he and Nick Casario manage things together, and then you draft C.J. Stroud, and you make the trade for Will Anderson, and all those suckers out there that were like, you can't give up. You're giving up next year's pick. It's going to be a top three pick. What are you doing? Well, guess what? That pick ain't going to be in the twenties. It's going to be in the 20s. So uh, you can have at it, and I'll take Will Anderson all day, every day. He has been just, just as our defense as CJ has been to our offense. But the Browns kicked – they kicked us around uh, three weeks ago. They were up 36-7. to Joe Flacco was making every throw imaginable. Um, they kicked us around pretty good. So that locker room knows, uh, yeah, they beat us up pretty good, but seven wasn't playing. Will Anderson wasn't playing. Our best linebacker uh, and one of our best defense players, Blake Cashman, was not playing. We had about four or five guys out, those three included, that didn't play in that game that we should have back for this game uh, against the Browns. And hopefully we get a playoff environment. And that's a tough place to play when you've got it rocking. So hopefully they show up to play, and hopefully we show up to play. Um, and don't – we had so many mistakes against the Colts. We should have beat them by two touchdowns. Uh, but we made it close because he kept making mistakes. We can't make those mistakes against this team. To me, the Browns are the best team we faced this year. And we oh. faced the Ravens in week one. The Browns are the best team we faced this year. So we uh, we got to be in our A-plus game for sure. No mistakes. Uh, and we got to block Miles Garrett, and then we got a shot. 10-7 and seven Texans, 11-6 and six Browns. Wild card game at NRG Stadium on Saturday. John, always appreciate the time. Great catching up, and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Good luck this weekend. Absolutely, brother. Appreciate it, Richard. Good talk to you, my man. John Harris on the Farm Bureau guest line. We're back with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. on the Farm Bureau guest line. All guests appear right there. Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Yeah, Mississippi Farm Bureau offices in all 82 counties in Mississippi with agents that you likely already know. Maybe you go to church with them. Maybe you see them at local ball games or you run into them at the grocery store. Uh, it's folks that you know and they'll take care of you with uh, competitive rates, Home, life, auto, they've got you taken care of. Uh, do like me and join the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau, favorites.com for a free quote today. Um, so we spent a ton of time today kind of reflecting 
on the college football season, we have basketball going on. And we might grab a few more kind of looking back items before we wrap up. But let's let's make a jump cut and talk some basketball as we get set for games that are coming up tonight and then tomorrow night as well. So, hey, Dad, Mississippi State, tomorrow night, Humphrey Coliseum, 6 o'clock tip, Tennessee coming to town. Huge challenge, huge test. One of the things that jumped out to me from the box score from the Ole Miss-Tennessee game this past weekend is Tennessee doesn't play a lot of guys. They played eight men in a 26-point win. They only played eight guys in the win against Ole Miss. And State's rotation is not, I guess State's kind of settled on a nine-man rotation for the most part with uh, with the return of Tolu Smith. What's important in your mind? What stands out? How, how does Mississippi State pull off what undoubtedly would be an upset if they got the win? I mean, I think it starts with finding guys other than than Tolu Smith and Josh Hubbard to put the ball in the basket. I mean, it feels like we're, we're going to re- – I feel like these next few weeks we might rehash some of the stuff we said about Mississippi State a year ago. Mm. You know, last year at this time, you really just had Tolu Smith sort of carrying the offense. And, and if you recall, you know, even he wasn't playing his best basketball at the start of conference play uh, a season ago. He played really well, I thought, on Saturday – but just got into foul trouble, and that's probably the difference in the game was him having to come out and sit for an extended period of time. But, you know, Tolu's, Tolu Hubbard has been really consistent all year long. But State's got to find somebody else that can put up double digits in these conference games or against these, these better teams, be it Shaq Moore, be it Deshaun Davis, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, be it be it DJ Jeffries or, or whoever. You, you can't just uh, – you can't just – rely on two guys to get it done uh, in, in conference play. So, you know, obviously, the loss of Andrew Taylor is just, you know, it's just huge. I think that's a guy State really expected big things from, and it doesn't look like he's going to be able to make much of a contribution this year. So, that's to me, is where it starts for Mississippi State. It's finding guys to complement the two guys who have been consistent for you thus far. And then you've got uh, you got Ole Miss at home tomorrow night as well, playing the Florida Gators, hosting the Florida Gators. Florida loses at home to Kentucky in the opener on Saturday. Ole Miss goes to Knoxville, and they lose in the opener. First loss of the season for the Rebels. They are thirteen and one. Florida's ten and four on the year. We don't have a line on this game yet. We'll uh, we'll get that at some point tomorrow. Eight o'clock tip off tomorrow night. Borky, you and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday. It feels like a really important game for both Florida and Ole Miss because I think that these are two teams that are going to be bubble conversation teams when we get to the first week of March. Yeah, and uh, another challenge for Ole Miss because, as you said yesterday, Florida long and athletic. They have a couple of bigs that play and and rebound much better than Ole Miss's two. Uh, so it's a challenge for sure, and Florida's going to look at it as a winnable game. I assume Ole Miss is also uh, going to to be confident in their opportunity to win the game tomorrow in front of a great crowd. And I mean, we'll see. I, I, there there were some people on on Twitter slash X that were making some kind of deal about uh, the the broadcast. I forget who the play by play guy was asking Dane Bradshaw how you you know bounce back from a loss like that if you're Ole Miss and people. Took offense to it, I guess. It's a totally, I mean, under, perfectly fine question, and actually got a great answer from Dane. But 
can Ole Miss kind of bury what happened in Knoxville and understand that it's an elite team on the road in front of 22,000 people and, you know, don't panic and you're back at home and, and relax and I mean, because you had bad shooting games from Flanagan and Morrell uh, at Tennessee. When you've seen in this league a sample size of, of them playing better than that, Tennessee is elite, don't get me wrong, but Ole Miss can play better too. And and will they do that, I guess, is the big question. But I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how both teams, to, to loop State back in, respond to the road losses uh, on Saturday coming back home and uh, against difficult uh, opponents, both Florida and Tennessee, although I think Tennessee's better. But still. There are four games tonight in the S- – Arkansas-Georgia, by the way, is the other one tomorrow night, and that's a really big game for the Arkansas Razorbacks who are in a uh, a little bit of a little bit of a tailspin, I think. We'll have to wait and see with a daunting schedule in front of them. So those are the three games tomorrow night. Tonight – you have Missouri at Kentucky, 6 o'clock on ESPN. You have South Carolina at Alabama, 6 o'clock, SEC Network. Both of those teams winning their SEC openers. You have Vanderbilt at LSU. Vandy 0-1 in league play. LSU got a win against Texas A&M. And you have Texas A&M at Auburn. And that brings us to the PTG Outdoors Fishy Line of the Week. Here you go, hey Dad. This is it. The Auburn Tigers have won six straight games by 15 or more. They are on an absolute heater right now. Neville Arena, which is the home arena of the Auburn Tigers, is one of the most difficult places to play in the SEC. All right, so those last six games, 83-51 on the road against Arkansas. 88-68 over Penn. 101-66 over Chattanooga. 82-62 over Alabama State. 91-75 over Southern Cal. 87-62 over UNC Asheville. Actually, it goes back one farther than that. It's seven in a row. 104-76 over Indiana. Only two losses all year long for the Auburn Tigers. And yet... In their building, riding that kind of a heater, they are only a seven and a half point favorite in this game. Vegas is begging you to take the seven and a half of the Auburn Tigers. When Vegas begs you to do something, it smells bad. This one doesn't make any sense to me. AM coming off a home loss in conference play. To LSU, Boots Radford has not been healthy. What do they see that we don't see? This is a fishy line. Well, if you're so confident in it, no, I'm just I'm okay. Just, you know what's funny? No, 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 because I had the exact same line. That was mine too. Fishy line of the week brought to you by PTG Outdoors. Locations in Grenada and Greenville. Find them on the web at PTG Outdoors. It is cold, cold, cold outside, but not as cold as it's going to be on Monday. We are saying to you, we are begging you, if you have not taken care of your boat or your motorhome, it may be tight, but the guys at PTG Outdoors want to help you. It is going to be one degree on Monday. One degree. If you have a boat that has not been winterized, you're in trouble. If you have a motorhome where you have not done the proper winterization, 
you're going to be in trouble. Do not wait one more day. Pick up the phone in the morning and call the guys at PTG Outdoors in either Grenada or Greenville. Say, I am in a bind. I know I should have done this already. Let them take care of you, and they'll do it. PTGoutdoors.com or visit them in Grenada or Greenville. They've got you covered. Porky, do you have an additional fishy line? Yeah, the Eagles being a three-point favorite on the road on Monday night in Tampa doesn't make much sense to me. No, that's because of the way they've been playing. The way they've been playing terribly. Jalen Hurts has an injury on his uh, a finger on his throwing hand. AJ Brown got hurt, mm-hmm. uh, limping to the finish, quite literally limping to the finish on the road. I, I know Tampa hadn't exactly been perfect either, but that one doesn't sit right with me. All right. So a uh, we have an immediate fishy line of the week, and uh, let's watch this for a few days and see if anything happens. Fishy line yeah. of the week going to the NFL playoffs. It's all brought to you by PTG Outdoors. So Missouri, Kentucky at six, South Carolina, Alabama at six, AM, Auburn at eight, Vandy, LSU at eight as well. It's cold outside. Good night to build a fire, turn the heat up, whatever, and uh, watch a little basketball. What do we get nationally also? I haven't even looked at the top 25 games tonight. Um, a lot of games tonight. Number two, Houston at Iowa State, Hilton Coliseum, tough yeah. spot. Only a two and a half point favorite. Mm. Really tough spot. Number one, Purdue. Oh, that was on Peacock. Never mind. Never mind. Well, you got to get it now matchup. if you want to watch a playoff game this weekend. Uh, BYU, BYU at Baylor. Baylor. Top uh. twenty-five matchup. New, brand new Foster Pavilion on the Baylor campus. Uh. We're back after this. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Who is this guy? It's Gerard Gibbert. Weekdays, 10 to 1 on Super Talk Mississippi. I like this guy. Also on the Super Talk app and at supertalk.fm. Back with you, half an hour left, or a little less than that, on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Cold Tuesday afternoon turning into an even colder Tuesday night. And it's going to warm up, and then it's going to get really cold at the beginning of next week. Such is life in Mississippi in January. Uh, As long as it's 70 and sunny for opening day, uh, we're going to be good. (laughs) We're going to be good. And Ole Miss actually gets like a bonus week. I just hope that means they don't miss the 70 and sunny for opening day and get the ice storm and like for week two of the baseball season. Hey, Dad. But they'll do the Hawaii thing out of the gate and then go from there. Yeah. They'll certainly be 70 and sunny there. I would you think. know, at a different time in my life, I would be going to Hawaii with them. Yeah, I was about of to say, I know that you've got basketball on, uh, on TV, but that is typically when. Yeah, you know, Kellum's got to do basketball, and so somebody would be filling in. Are you and going no, to? For a, yeah, for for a lot of years, that somebody was me, right? right? Yeah. But I made trips to Orlando and Orlando Boca. and Hawaii, the same thing. No, uh, no, I think I've been to Orlando twice, Houston once, Boca once, Deland, <laughs> Florida once for a series with Stetson. Um, where else have I gone for those early seasons? I don't know. 
But I missed out on Minneapolis last year and Hawaii this year, which, by the way, are kind of at opposite ends of the baseball spectrum. Yeah. The last oh, the last early one I did was um, 2021 season, which was the uh, the college baseball showdown in Dallas, Arlington. That was oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, and, and you came back thinking that maybe the College World Series needs to bounce around a little bit. Yeah, I, I did. I did come back with that opinion. Maybe a prisoner of the moment, but I, I still think it would be pretty cool in that environment. Yeah, but if I were you. I would lobby to go have an all-expenses-paid trip to Hawaii where for four hours a day you're watching college baseball and otherwise you are in Hawaii. Yeah, so when you say all-expenses-paid trip, what you don't take into account is it would be really, really hard for me to go to Hawaii for like five days in February without my wife and three children. And so that all-expenses-paid trip that you just referenced – would end up costing a lot. Or you say, of money. "Hey, honey, have you seen the economy lately? We can't swing Hawaii this year." <laughs> Thanks, I gotta Joe. go for work. It's work. Yeah. I can't. Hey, Richard, have you seen that doghouse the... lately? Why don't you go sleep in it? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm working the whole time, just I'm grinding working. away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't. I don't come to your job, and and when you're working, I don't. I don't just hang out there. Same thing. Yeah, something like that. I mean, maybe I'll get rewarded and get to go to College Station or something like that. Oh yeah, Woo. <laughs> I mean, almost, almost the same thing. Gig them. Uh, tell you what, I'm what I'm debating is how I'm getting to Columbia, Missouri this weekend. Right now, I, I have a flight that is booked in a rental car, but the forecast has me thinking that I might be served far better to just climb into my Ford F-150 from Belk Ford right here in Oxford, Mississippi, and drive it to Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, put some chains on that bad boy. You'll be fine. I don't think I got to have chains. Just take it easy when you get in a bad spot. Four-wheel drive when you need it. It's there. Comfortable ride. can listen to, you know, Borky. I can listen to the Rebel Report podcast to keep me entertained. I can listen to the Thunder and Lightning podcast to keep me entertained on, on the way. Um and and then yeah. Friday we got the Robbie Awards. You don't want to miss that. The what? The Robbies. We give those out every year. What are the Robbies? Uh, it's just who what are we the awarding? best players and coaches. Well, you get you win the. Uh, it, it goes back to when it was the Bobby Awards mm. uh, or the BB Awards, and uh, you get the prestigious four fingered hand turkey. Okay, that sounds. Sounds riveting. You got any other <laughs> podcast suggestions for me, Borky? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the point being is I got an F-150 that I got at Belk Ford in Oxford that I could uh, safely yeah. and comfortably hit the road in. It might just do that. You can do the exact same thing. You can get behind the wheel of an F-150. Great selection on the lot at Belk Ford in Oxford. Of course, Oxford Toyota there as well. If you would prefer to ride in a Toyota Tundra that's four-wheel drive, you could do that. Or maybe um, uh, maybe a forerunner. Regardless, uh, they have got the vehicle that you need with the best financing options available. Service after the sale. It's not a pushy sales experience. They're going to take care of you. They're going to watch you out for you. You're going to make sure that you're getting into the vehicle that you need to get into, that you want to get into, that you can afford 
and um, it's a really, really good experience. Find them online, BelkFord.net, or better than that, visit them in person, Highway 6 West in Oxford. That's Belk Ford, Highway 6 West in Oxford. So a little PSA, by the way. Mm. We will not be making excuses on this show on Thursday if the crowds aren't great in basketball tomorrow. Every seat doesn't have to be full. I understand why a hard sellout on a weeknight isn't like the easiest thing to do. I get it. But if it's not full and rowdy, then the fans are doing the teams a disservice. Yeah. The the teams deserve real home court environment. Mississippi State's got a really, really, really good Tennessee team coming to town. And Ole Miss has a good Florida team coming to town. I know 8 o'clock tips are difficult, but give me a break. The team has earned the atmosphere that they deserve tomorrow night. And if you don't give it, you're failing them as a fan. This isn't Sam Houston State anymore. Yeah, I'm not talking about like the box score attendance number, but it feels like in both Oxford and in Starkville, it's an earlier tip in Starkville, you need to have north of 6,000 actual bodies in the building. It's a fine baseline expectation, for sure. 6,000 in Starkville is what, just a hair under 60%. Does the hump still seat 10,000? It's it's around that I guess they took out a chunk of uh, they took out one section to make media seating but okay. other than that yeah I, I think both the pavilion and the hump are at about ninety five hundred or so and so you know those three thousand seats are up top you pack it in down low and turn it into a great advantage I, I couldn't agree with you more on on that we uh, we have the final AP top twenty five they do not redo the college football playoff rankings after the college football playoff but the AP does. Undisputed number one, the Michigan Wolverines. Number two, Washington. Number three, Texas. Number four, Georgia. Number five, Alabama. Should Georgia be in front of Texas at thirteen and one, while Texas is twelve and two? Yes, and I saw this. Is a, this is the point. I'm, I'm going to stick to this point. I like it. Head to our head to head only matters when you've got. Uh, the same records. So if we're going to play the whole Texas beat Alabama, but Alabama beat Georgia, it doesn't matter because Texas has two losses and Georgia only has one. I'm cool I, with that. I I, I yeah. agree. I don't I don't see how you put yeah. a 12 and two team in front of a 13. Somebody and said team. that today, and I was like, that makes just way too much sense, and I'm going to use it going forward. Uh, Florida State at number six, 13 and one, tied with Oregon at six. Missouri, 8, Ole Miss, 9, Ohio State, 10. That is your top 10. So from the SEC, including next year's SEC, Texas at 3, Georgia at 4, Bama at 5, Missouri at 8, Ole Miss at 9. Ugh. LSU, 12, Oklahoma, 15, Tennessee, 17. Those are the teams from the SEC in the final top 25 poll. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. At least you can suffer a couple losses and still make the playoff now. Yeah. I'm with you. Well, you know, we said, maybe we do this over the next few minutes here, but we said the only way to get attention now is to do your way too early playoff prediction. So what is it? 
Oh gosh, let's do that tomorrow. So well, right, let's make that our. Let, stuff let's save it, prep we'll on it, and we'll do that tomorrow. Yeah, well, but but hold on a second. Oh, yeah. look, who's winning the Big Ten next year? Ohio State. Ohio right. State. Who's winning the Big Twelve next year? Oklahoma State. Colorado. I'm kidding. Not Utah. You're on Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. All right. Who is winning the SEC next year? Georgia. Georgia. I'm on board with Georgia as well. All right. So, so we said Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma State. Who is winning the ACC? Florida State. Clemson? Florida State. Mm. They're portaling so well again. Brought in DJ. DJ. DJ is going to want to get a, get a piece of Clemson. Ooh, that's a little spicy. Clemson's still, not portaling yeah. at all. Yeah, they're still not portaling. I just As they are want to not do. All right, so FSU from the ACC. All right. So you got Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Florida State. Highest ranked power uh, group of five champion. Let you think on that while we're at break. We're back right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi one last time in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk. Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. One last time, thanks for being with us. Um, I, I know we're supposed to do this tomorrow, and we can we can flesh it out more, but I just I couldn't help it. Do a, a way too early college football playoff prediction. All right, so we said Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Florida State, and then I don't think there's any way for us to guess right now who the group of five highest-ranked champion would be. I mean, I mean we're just workshopping my some first names. Thought, my first thought is SMU. They're in the ACC now, buddy. I guess they're in the ACC now. Never mind. Yeah, no. Never and that mind. was not a derogatory, right. buddy. That's like you're my pal. <laughs> I, f- I don't know, Chief. It felt, it felt a little tight. I, I, I use buddy in a non-derogatory way a lot, and now that I think about you're it, people few. are probably thinking that I am being a jerk when I call them buddy when I'm not trying to be. I'll say, what's up, buddy? I, I threw out a couple of names at Borky during the break. Hey, Dad. Boise State, maybe? All right. Possibly. Possibly Malachi lane. Nelson there. New coach. Makes me a little nervous there, but yeah, okay. Quarterback. Yeah, new quarterback, the, too. Uh, Oregon transfer. Ty Thompson. Uh, yeah. James Madison, maybe, and they are eligible next New coach. year. New coach, um, there too. Yeah, so many different ways that you could go there. So I don't know I'm who just, the new coach is at Troy, but Troy just always good. So throw that name in there. Yeah, but I mean, are they going to be undefeated? 
And are they going to be I don't know. ranked higher than anybody else? So here's what I did. I'm making the assumption that whoever that team is is going to be the 12 seed in the playoff. Okay. You have to have the top four seeds as those other four teams. Is Georgia going undefeated? Or are they going to be a one-loss SEC champion? They're going to lose. One loss. Look at that schedule. All right, so, that all right, so play, we're going. They play Ohio Alabama State. and Georgia. So Ohio State Texas number one State. overall? Yes. If they go undefeated, yes. Yeah. Yes, they go undefeated, yes. So so some combination after that of Georgia, Oklahoma State, and Florida State for the two, three, and four. Have they announced the Big Ten schedules yet? Yes. The dates? Okay, I, haven't, I need to go look at them. I haven't looked. So so anyway, we're filling out 5 through 11. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. So seven spots. All right, so your final AP poll, which is not necessarily indicative of what you're going to have at the end of the year, but I'm going to throw names at you. Washington, yes or no? No. No. They're losing a ton. Texas, yes or no? Yes. Michigan, yes or no? I think so. No. It's be tight. Ooh, you think they lose twice? Does Harbaugh leave? Yeah. I don't know. If Harbaugh leaves, I say no. Okay. Uh, Alabama? Yes. Oregon? Yes. I think they're second best in the... Uh, in the Big Ten. In the Big Missouri? Ten. No. Ole Miss? This is my first one where I'm like iffy because I, I just I think Ole Miss is good enough to be in the playoff. But where, are you going to get four SEC teams in? I don't know. Um, maybe five. Yeah, I mean I just don't know. I will say yes for now. Arizona. They if they bring back the quarterback, they have a chance. Yes. Fafita. Yeah. LSU. No. I think LSU's down next year. Ooh. Penn State? No. Not with Drew Aller. No. Notre Dame? People they love Notre to... Dame. Help me help me figure out why. Nah. They'd have to win like 11 or a game's minimum. I don't they see that. They Drake happen. May at quarterback, don't they? No. Uh, Riley Leonard. No. I'm sorry. Riley Leonard. Not Riley Drake Leonard. May. Riley, my bad. My bad. Sorry. Drake May is going to be yeah, Drake May's off other, the pros. other guy in that rivalry. My apologies. Riley Leonard, yeah. quarterback. wonder where he's going to be. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Oklahoma? I don't know who picks second. New England is the answer. Tennessee? Kansas State? Oklahoma, Blue? no. Clemson? No, no. 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 How many have I got? Be? I mean, like... How, I, how many have I, I listed? I don't even know. I mean, we did the yeses and the noes and whatever, but we're getting deeper. Somebody's coming out of nowhere. Somebody will come out of nowhere that we're not expecting. Louisville is is a good choice there. Clemson, maybe. I mean, if Clemson bounces back, but they got to get on the game in the game with the portal. Is there a scenario where every at large team comes from two conferences? SEC in the Big Ten, hundred percent, very, very much. Very much alive. Wow. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Stay warm on this cold Tuesday night. That was fun today. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Good night. 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.